Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, this is Coco, and you're listening to Conversations with Coco and Friends. Brad J. Lamb, or Bradley, as I've always referred to him, is my ex-husband and the best co-parent ever to do it. People always ask me how we do it in reference to our co-parenting skills. So I thought it might be a good idea to hop on the pod and talk it out with him and the girls and share it with you. Bradley and I were together for 14 years, and though it looks like everything is perfect, we worked really hard to get here. Marriage is hard. Divorce is hard, but a lot can become easier when you let go of the ego and decide what matters most. Though our story cannot be possible for everyone, I think you might find this conversation interesting. We have moved through the pain, and I have so much love and respect for this man, the father of the best gift I've ever been given, Miss Harlow Lake, that even if what we've done won't work for you, it's always fun to listen to how other people find their peace. I hope you enjoy. Okay. Co-parenting. How do you do it? This is probably one of the most asked questions in my DMs and real life for that matter. So I'm listening. Today we sit down with my ex-husband and the father of my daughter. Q, Mr. Brad J. Lamb, arguably one of the most prominent real estate developers in Toronto. Brad, we will spare you the bio for now. Coco, did you want to kick us off? I mean, I think it's fair to start with asking how we got here from your perspective, Brad. I mean, how did we get to being two awesome parents of our little doll, Harlow? Woo-woo. Well, I I think it takes, obviously, teamwork. It it, it takes reasonableness. You know, you have to let certain things go and uh, find a middle ground that uh, allows everyone to be happy and be respected. I dig that. I think a lot of arguments, obviously, based on life come down to ego. And you are obviously a wildly successful businessman and a healthy dose of ego is very probably what makes you so. So how are you able to quiet down that ego when it comes to your relationship with Harlow and Coco? Well, I I don't think that my work ego has anything to do with my ego as a father. When I grew up, uh, my father was, was a tough guy, like a hard guy. And there were times when I questioned, you know, his love for me. I always knew that he did, but he did things and uh, he said things that, you know, made me wonder if I was a father, how I would, would I do that? Would I, would I say those things and behave that way? And so when I, you know, when I deal with Harlow, my attitude is just to love her as much as I can and to... Uh, make that the primary thing, right? To always let her know 
that that's how I feel. And so I kind of lead with that. It's so true. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, these are the biggest facts I've ever <laughs> I heard. mean, I was, I'm also kind of sometimes shocked that I'm the disciplinarian in the bunch because <laughs> I thought, you know, um, Brad is very tough uh, when it comes to work. So I thought, you know, when we would have a kid, it would just naturally be that way because I don't think a lot of people can separate those things. Mm-hmm. So it is very interesting to see because I'm just like, oh, come on, <laughs> you know, more more of a friendly, um, loving approach, which is exactly great. lead with love, baby. Yeah, I, I kind of wonder if you know uh, how much of this is is like us, and how much is just like her, right? And and so. I, I kind of feel like you, you have to let a kid be a kid and let them make mistakes. And at the end of the day, if they have people that love them, I think everything will be okay. I love that. And to have that be felt is something yeah. so powerful. And she's the most loved kid on earth. Like. She is. <laughs> How can you not? She's perfect. Um. You touched on being reasonable, Brad, and I think that's such a core component for people who are trying to co-parent and are struggling. Our audience loves tangible tips. So if you had to narrow it down to three takeaways for co-parenting, what would it be? Your three major keys. Well, I, 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 that's always tough to just to put it in a box like that. I, I think it depends an awful lot on the characters involved, right? Where they came from, the power that each one enjoys, you know, emotionally and financially. But I, I think that as a man, I think you always have to realize that the woman is boss, right? When it comes yes. to a kid, uh, they are they are the person that the, the you know if 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 Harlow ever cries, the first thing she's going to run to mummy, and that's what all kids do. So you have to realize that that's kind of the you got to lead with that. I think just being I, I honestly think it's being trying to be easygoing and flexible and listen. So I would say, you know, the mother's always boss, let's say that. Trying to be, trying to listen and be reasonable and ultimately to keep peace because there's always hurt feelings and misunderstandings to be fair and uh, and reasonable. Love it. What do you feel like is the hardest part about co-parenting? Like this whole process. And I, I imagine that it's changed obviously from, you know, in the beginning until now. But what are some of the harder parts of this? You know, there's a lot of, uh, when you share kids, there's a lot of, there's a lot of guilt. And I think trying to uh, make sure that your your kids have the most balanced childhood where they get to experience all the things that they would otherwise get to experience if you were together, right? So I think that's always a challenge to make sure that uh, they get enough parenting, they get enough love, they get enough birthday parties are, are sufficient and fun and, and they make them feel special and uh, Halloween and Christmas and all those holidays. Those are always tough, right? Because you're sharing someone. Everything always comes down to listening and trying to be reasonable. I actually want to bounce this question to you too. So what is the hardest part for you, Coco, about co-parenting? Yeah, that's it. I mean, I think we've done a great job at at balancing it, like sharing, not fighting over holidays, <laughs> finding ways to do stuff together. Or, you know, for Harlow's birthday, we always do it together rather than splitting it up between two houses. But it is, it's like, it's that back and forth of Christmas, who's she going to open presents with in the morning, you know, the traditions that you've had. I think that 
that is very tough, but that is also one of those things that if you can figure out with the person, um, that also makes your relationship better. So if both are willing to kind of bend in in a way to accommodate the other person, that's what the hardest thing can then make the rest of the thing easy. Um, I think we learned lessons from other people before us True. <laughs> um, <laughs> that, you know, they fought a lot more about money and as a result used money with their child as a way to fight back the other spouse. So for example, friends of ours, the husband, ex-husband had a plane and she didn't have a plane. Okay. So this is just like an example. Mm -hmm. He would be somewhere and send for the kid with the plane. And then when the mom had to come pick up or take her son to a trip or a vacation, they would fly commercial. So there's a really big difference between flying private jet and flying commercial. And when your kid's a kid, they're like, Oh, I hate traveling with you. Why do we have to yeah. do this? You know? And I remember Brad was just like, oh, okay, you can't do that. And we saw that before our thing. And so just knowing, um, learning from other people's experiences and knowing what's right and, and what's wrong and then trying to impl- implement that in your life, I think is a key. You know, you know, what's also, I think, really important is, and not everyone can do this, but um, I think it's important that, that uh, Jimmy's in your life. And it's important for Alexander to be in my life. I think that uh, that that gives uh, people stability and like emotional stability. And if you're spending Christmas by yourself, it's kind of lonely, right? So having uh, being back in a relationship that's uh, that's a good relationship and that's positive, I think it makes it easier to be uh, a split parent for sure. On never throwing dirt on your ex. Shout out to at Mom Crush Monday for that mantra. But for real, one thing we've been really good at is not speaking poorly of each other in public, um, even when things were really tough. I know my thoughts on this, but how did you remain diplomatic? Well, I, that was never hard because I, I never had any bad feelings, right? So I, I think I think that if if it's a terrible breakup and you're throwing things at each other, it's hard to reconcile that, right? But we didn't have that. And and so for me, nothing changed really about how I felt about you. To further, maybe from my perspective, I think what's important to note, it's like you 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 got together for a reason, right? They were in love with the person. So that just because the love changes mm-hmm. doesn't mean that you can't still have a love and respect for that person. And so even though like... People hurt each other, right? Mm-hmm. Bad things happen. But that doesn't mean that you can't still have, like, you don't have to lower who you are as a person. 100%. Right? Because that's the thing when people are speaking poorly of their ex. For me, I'm like, I'm looking at you poorly because of the way that you're speaking about your ex, who at one point you told me you loved so much, right? right? right. And love and hate are so close with the people yeah. who are significant in your life. And I think that's why it hurts even more when someone you love hurts you. Yeah, it's interesting because, so exactly that point. So if you spent all this time with someone and you purportedly love them, then why are you trying to blow them up now? Mm -hmm. Right, this doesn't make sense, right? So that's never been, I I mean, listen, I I was married before and I'm also, you know, older than Katrina. So I've had uh, more experiences, I guess, in in long-term relationships. 
and they all ended the same way. It, you know, not necessarily the same way in, in that how it ended, but in terms of how I felt about dealing with that person that I had split up with, it's always the same in my mind. Um, you just have to be an adult about it, be responsible, be fair, be reasonable. And if you spend all that time with someone, then how can you how can you have these dramatically different feelings now, right? It doesn't make sense to me. I'm with you. And I respect you for saying that. And I think our listeners will respect you for saying that. Back on that co-parenting wave, as Harlow gets older, because she is only seven years old now, do you and Coco have rules established that you both have set, kind of like non-negotiables, or are you taking it as it goes in this crazy thing we call life? Mm, I, I don't think I have any non-negotiables. <laughs> Coco's like, I know. I'm like, I definitely do. Like, our kid is not sleeping up at anybody's house. The kids Uh-oh. can sleep at our house. <laughs> yeah, but I think I leave that. So, I mean, I run stuff by you, right? And so I, I think that you know better than I do as her mom about a lot of this stuff. So I kind of just uh, defer to your decision. But I mean, again, like I, I just think that we have a, a very reasonable daughter, Except when it comes to food. Um, <laughs> we are all aware of that. Socks and clothes. <laughs> and underwear. She likes sweatpants. But um, by and large, you know, I mean, it's interesting. Like, uh, she has to go to bed at 9.30. And obviously, her mom is instilled her at 9.30. And I'm a bit more flexible. And she's like, Daddy, it's five minutes to bed. And what kid <laughs> They're does, like, oh, it kid, is. Kid tells the father, I got to go to bed now. I'm like, we can spend a few more minutes together. She's like, no, daddy, I got to go to bed at night. <laughs> okay. So she's a very reasonable kid. She respects the rules. She definitely respects her mom and she respects me. And if we come down on her and say, no, she listens. She doesn't really pout much. Um, she doesn't really use tears to get her own way. She's a very reasonable kid. And I think that's obviously a lot to do with us. But I also think part of it's just her DNA. She's a reasonable, smart kid. Totally. Until you push her bedtime to 9.45 p.m. <laughs> she says, then we are in danger zone for anybody. Like, real danger. Yeah, we're in danger yeah. She likes her process. Yeah, she does. <laughs> so we were best friends and are incredibly similar people, you and I. Um, and today, we I still consider you one of my closest people to me. Uh, we speak almost every day. We share a kid together. We work together on a bunch of projects. If we didn't have Harlow... And we weren't still together. Do you think we would still be friends? Yeah, I, I, uh, I would certainly hope so. But you know, we would probably be more difficult in terms of access as friends, right. right? So, I would say yes. But I, but I think also it's taken a bit. Of, it takes time, right? Whenever uh, divorces are horrible, they definitely they cause a lot of damage, mm-hmm. and it, it does take time. I think for people to kind of process them deal with them and get over them. And I also think it's it a lot a lot happens to the positive side when you enter into other relationships that are good, right? I think it'd be different if you and I were not in relationships, both together. Um, I think it would be different, but I would hope that we could uh, remain friends. And I, I, want, I obviously want to do it forever, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a good also point that he made, that it's time, right? So anybody who is just going through it, who thinks that there's no hope, time really helps heal and it helps you gain perspective and it helps you look back and and know where, you know, people will 
not not necessarily. You're out of the blame game, I think, right? You're more into the position of um, you're a good person. I'm a good person. Let's figure this out. It's yeah, like it, you. It's like you and him against the problem, rather right. than you versus him. It's not adversarial right. anymore. It's yeah. like you still have to be a team to solve the, the issue. <laughs> my it, it, my it, petty it, crocker has quieted down. <laughs> it <laughs> is. It is very hard. You know, the first uh, six months to a year are very hard, especially you know if you have money and things like that, because that's something that everyone focuses on right away, and they they spend less focus on the other things and and the money thing. You know, lawyers are, are are lawyers, and they do the best they can for their client. And part of that is to to infuriate the other side, right? And and to say things and do things that will position them in a better light to to do better for the client. And that's always the very ugly part of of divorce. So I would recommend anyone out there that's listening to make that uh, quick work to try to push that forward as fast as possible. Uh, to stay communicative, to try to like shed light on what's happening, try to be as fair as you can on both sides. It, it, no one ever comes away from a divorce when money's involved, feeling they got a good deal. It's just, it's just the way it is. Even if even if you did, you're not going to feel that way. So I think that it's that first uh, period. You know, I was talking to someone. She's a, a woman that's I'm friendly with. I've known her for many years. Would say she's a friend. And she has been in a divorce uh, fight about money for five years. And they spent hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars. And in the end, they're going to get what they're going to get. It's, it's, you know, the funny thing about it is, is that there's kind of a divorce chart in Ontario. You get a certain amount of money for kids. You get a certain amount of money for the time you've been with someone. It doesn't change a whole lot. You, you fight about it, but it doesn't change a whole lot. The law is the law. People get all fired up about it. And in our case, we did it pretty quickly and it was pretty amicable. And I think that's really important because there's a lot of hard feelings about money and divorce. Do you think that you and Brad would be friends? Yeah. Yeah. I think the hardest part was that, well, that part, right? That part. <laughs> Getting through that. that. Um, and, and as much as you want to say, like, egos are involved with that. When it comes to um, heartbreak, money, separation of assets, like all that kind of stuff, ego's involved there. So it's tampering the ego and also knowing what's best for your child. So our child brings us closer together, but also I respect him so much in what, as a person, um, in what he, like his business mind, like he's one of my biggest advisors, like anytime I'm like, how do I do this? Even from the beginning in our relationship, you know, his, his whole thing. And I think this leads into your question. I was bartending and he was like, how much money did you make? And I'm like, a thousand dollars. He's like, Jesus Christ, <laughs> you, you need to save your money. Like you, you know, you could, you could buy a condo. And I'm like, I could never buy a condo. So in him encouraging me, his encouragement was to make me self-sufficient in our relationship. So I always respect that as a as a person because we were at different ages too, right? Yeah. Different parts in our lives. So yeah, I, I don't think like there's a lot of decisions that I make in my business that I wouldn't make if I didn't have you to talk to about it. So yeah. you know it's funny because I, I still think that way, right? So even though we're married, when we were married, even though we were married, I always thought it would be best if you had the ability to leave me. 
When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Financially, right? Right. So that you would be able to... Uh, not that not that that's what I wanted, but I always felt that it was best that you were had your own money, you could create your own wealth, and that you never felt trapped by money. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And and so, I, I know it's a bit of a it's it's not exactly the way I think a lot of men think, but no. I think it's the fairest way. And that so, if someone has assets that are their own and they don't need you to survive or to have a decent life, it ultimately does make for better marriage. You know, that's so insightful. And the best part about that, like just as an aside, is that you empowered her to do those things and she empowers other people to do those things, myself included. So it's very interesting because you taught this gospel and then now that gospel is spreading to other people just because we need to know how to do those things. Mm -hmm. So shout out for that. And all of this ties into my next question. (laughs) Um, So for people who are looking to get married, is a prenup always the way to go? A prenup doesn't change all that much. So in, in my case, I was wealthy and you were not when we started. Um, and that's generally the case of uh, my history with women is that generally I'd probably be wealthier than the person that I'm going to be with. So when you come into a relationship, the money that you have is yours. Regardless if you get married, it's it's uh, up until the point where you get married, everything you have is yours. So you have to get an appraisal of all your assets. And so if you're worth a billion dollars when you get married, and when you by the time you get divorced, you've made another $200 million, you're only talking about the $200 million. By the way, it's not only, it's a lot of money, but <laughs> you're talking about $200 million you're splitting, you see? Got it. Not, also, the, not the billion. Also, please, the, bil- the billion is just for reference, It's an example. It's, yes, it's there's, an not, example, there's absolutely okay. no billion as much, here. As much yes. as Brad would like it to be different. Yeah. I could start with a smaller number. A billion is a nice, fun number to talk about. But so, so there are certain things that are just realities that you can't change. But I, I think that... It's always best, um, I can only speak for someone like me. So if you, if you come into a relationship and, and someone is a lawyer and someone is a doctor, I, I wouldn't worry about it because I think that you're very equal in terms of uh, your wealth and your, your ability to generate wealth. But if it's offsided, meaning that someone is substantially wealthier, it's always best to have a prenup because whether it's a man or a woman in the disadvantaged spot with less money, it's always best to understand what the exit is so you know that you're going to contractually get something and that you're not going to be fighting about it. And so 
I do think that's a good idea. It's hard to talk about, obviously, when I brought it up with you. I think I brought it up with you early on. Yeah. And you were always like, I don't care. It's whatever, it's whatever, it's whatever. And that's, of course, that's what someone says when they're in love and they don't think about it. <laughs> and then things change when you have to think about it. But I think that all women that are getting involved with a, an affluent man should insist on a prenup. It's for their protection. And they should also make sure that they take an interest in it and they hire a lawyer. The thing about a prenup too is there's not much pushing because I'm going through this right now. I'm engaged, as you know, and I'm going through a prenup right now. And and uh, it, it's, it's a surprisingly little flexibility in terms of what you can and can't do. You can certainly be far more generous than you want to or you need to. But in terms of what the, the standards are, the standards are the standards and if you if you just want to be fair and follow the standards, there's there's not a lot to veer off of. But I, I think it's a good idea because it does give someone understanding. For instance, the things you can't opt out of in a prenup is if you have a child, if you if you have a child with somebody, the amount of uh, child support you pay is dependent on how much money you make to a point, right? So they don't say, well, you need 100000 a month for that child because no child needs $100,000 a month to be properly brought up. So there's a, there's a point where no matter how much money you have, it caps off at a number, right? And, this, and spousal support's similar, but you also can, spousal support is something you can also, um, you, can't, you can't negotiate child support. Child support is child support. So all of these things are kind of fixed and you, know, you can't really change too much. Uh, unless you want to be far more generous than the law asks for. So long answer, I guess, but yes, I think it's important if you're affluent, if one person is significantly more affluent than the person they're marrying, they should get a prenup and they both should get properly represented. What about the case where it is, I mean, I guess you can't, I'm not sure if you can answer this question, but I think I feel like most of, well, a lot of the fights happen when money comes, not from nowhere, but they've started something. And they're both doctors, let's say. But one of the doctors invents this new tooth cap or something. <laughs> and that beca- they become very wealthy. The lifestyle completely changes. And then there's a fight. It, you know, if it happens when you're married, so if you're like both 25 or 30 or whatever, and you're both doctors, both have decent jobs, but no one's expecting someone to become, you know, Colonel Sanders, then... It is what it is, and, you, and there's no prenup, and you can't change it, and it's, it is split down the line. That's the way it works. You know, that, that does happen for sure. I mean, there's, there's a lot of situations where you, you hear of, you know, women who were really housewives and ended up with lots of money because they were married to someone who became quite wealthy. I don't know. I guess, I guess if, if, you're, if you are someone who thinks you, you have what it takes to become wealthy as a man or a woman— and you, and you, because you probably do know that when you're younger. I think most people know that they have what it takes to be rich, right? They, they have, they understand the tools. Uh, they kind of think differently than other people, and they, and that's something you see at a very young age, into you know high school and university. You, you, the people who you think are always the same ones that do, you know. So those people should probably think about it when they get married, if they're not, they want to split fifty fifty on what they've created. I think that ties into the next question really well. Um, Obviously, shit happens, okay? People get divorced, they break up, all that stuff. For all the men out there who are listening and who are heartbroken or kind of like going through it, do you have any advice for them who are going through a divorce or separation in terms of, and obviously dealing with their heartbreak and, you know, the hurt feelings that come with that? 
Yeah, I think I think that regardless of how a split up happens, I think both parties have heartbreak, pain, loss. I even think if you initiate a divorce, that you, there's still a lot that you don't realize is coming down the road. So the wrong thing to do is, you know, medicate with alcohol, which is what a lot of people do, or drugs. That will just lead to a bad place. I, I think that um, it's, you know, you need, you, you need to rely on your friends. I think getting out and uh, not staying at home and being lonely. I think getting back on the horse, so to speak, and trying to find someone to start dating again. Maybe not right away, but you should get out and start dating and try to figure out what you want to do. And and also realize that in the end, uh, it, you know, divorce is far more common today anyway than people staying together for a long period of time. So I think there's a lot of guilt and sadness uh, over the loss. And I, I think that you have to uh, realize that uh, it's not that misery loves company, but it is true that it's it is nice to know that you're not always alone with this, and and that there's other people that are going through it. But for me, the the best way to handle it, for me, how I handled it was to get out with my friends and not stay at home and not dwell on you know things. And it also helped having Harlow. That that also helps. But it's tough. There's no easy way through divorce. It's I think now probably five years later, right? It's it's easier, but it's it's a tough it's a tough road, and you got to take it day by day. That's so true, and I think that's one of the moments where you wish you could accelerate time <laughs> more than ever. But you got to just ride it out. Now over to you, Coco. Oh what would your advice be for ladies specifically who are just coming out of a a breakup or a divorce? Oh, that's a hard question. I think. Well, we spoke to it before. Uh, time heals all wounds. <laughs> um, like Brad said, don't don't over-medicate. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. um, it's a slippery slope of loneliness and um, trying to figure out anew, anew who you are. I don't know if it's all women, but me specifically, I, I kind of had this fault of kind of becoming, not becoming the person I was with, but very much my life was based on the other person's life timing wise and whatever. So figuring out a new, the new version of who you are, I would just say take time and be kind to yourself. You know, whether it be not talking, I mean, I think it's important to have a good friend group, but the friend group that was involved with you when you were with that person might not always give you the best advice. So therapy is a great thing. Taking time out to... Uh, reconnect with who you are and work through all of the hard, really painful feelings. I think it's like this, you get really quickly into the sense that you want to hate the other person or bring them down. And this is, I have to say this aside from an abusive relationship. So this is not giving advice to anybody that's in an abusive relationship, because if you are all bets are off and this is not the advice that you should be taking. But if you had a relationship without abuse and that you can move past, that the work is in working on you and not working on taking down the other person. So take the time to get to know yourself again and figure out what's next for you and what's next for just you. Definitely. Right? Not, your own no, routine. Right. And not even in relation to your kid either. 
Uh, because I think that's another thing. We start to get fixated on the kid and it mm-hmm. all has to be about the kid. And then the kid wants to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> Helicopter mom coming through. But Back the kid off, also mom. grows up. Like the kid grows up and becomes their own human. And right. then you're back at square one. Exactly. Bye. Right. And you're all alone. Knitting. I mean, <laughs> there's no nothing sh- wrong with knitting. I'm just not a fan. Awesome. Um, Brad, I have a hype question for you. <laughs> this is probably my favorite question. So you and Jimmy are obviously now close friends, colleagues. You co-parent Harlow together with Katrina. Um, it's an interesting dynamic, to say the very least. And I've heard from many people like, oh, I can never do that. But equally as many people who wish it could be the way that it is with you guys, people we know. So what was it like having to accept another man in Katrina's life to begin with after your divorce? And then obviously subsequently Harlow's lives. And how did you and Jimmy get to this space? Mm. Uh, so to answer the question, I, I think that uh, for a lot of people, it'd be hard. For, for me, I, I wanted uh, Katrina to be happy. And um, that obviously means that she she needed another person in her life, a significant other. And Jimmy's a, a great guy. So you could, you know, you could take, whether you're the, the woman on, on, in, a, in a divorce or the man in divorce or whatever side you're on. Um, you, at the end of the day, you're never going to get over it and you're never going to move past it unless I think both parties are happy, right? And that probably includes a significant other in their life. I think uh, in my case, I'm lucky because Jimmy is is an easygoing guy. He now works with me. I, I mean, that would be very hard to do if he wasn't an easygoing guy, if he wasn't a nice person and also had... Uh, certain skills that, that I was looking to have in my office. Um, so it, it, that that's been, and he's very good with Harlow, and Harlow loves him, and and that's that's also something as a father. You always worry about, my lord, who's this person that uh, is going to be with my kid? Is he going to harm her? But that never was an issue with with Jimmy. I, I mean, he, he, I knew him before all this stuff happened, and. I always thought he was a good guy. So I'm not sure that's the case for everybody that that, that is in this situation. I, I think Jimmy's fortunate that I'm a reasonable person and, and I'm fortunate he's a reasonable person. And I think we have the same goals for Harlow. And then, you know, I want the best for Katrina. And I think he's one of the people that can help deliver that to her. So, but I, I don't think by, by any means this is... Uh, going to be common. I think it is going to be pretty rare. I think so too. But I also think, and I only know these things because I now know you and obviously me and Katrina are super close, but all three of you work really hard to set ego aside in all the things you're doing in the way that you deal with one another. And that like I actively see happening, even like with Katrina on like a level when things are going on or whatever, like she, she catches herself and things are happening and and I think that takes a lot of work. I think the number one theme I'm hearing in this whole podcast is everybody has to work to make those things happen, including Jimmy, and always keeping in mind like the default position is everybody involved at some point or another. And you guys obviously still all do, but you love each other. And you love this tiny human being who has, I think, like brought you guys together in this like triad of co-parents yeah. <laughs> that is 
you know, not really seen. And people say all the time, they're like, I could never do that. I'm like, you don't know what you can and can't do until you're in that situation. And look at this kid who is the most loved human on earth. <laughs> yeah, I think it's also that 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 idea of I could never do that. I understand that. I understand. I mean, it's very easy to understand why people would say that. But there's also this idea that you're placing uh, your ideals or how you want someone to be for your narrative, for not victimhood, maybe victimhood might be, you want to play out your narrative by placing that on somebody else, right? So, so your story doesn't work if you don't hate the new person in the life, you know? Like it doesn't, it isn't a movie. It isn't like one of those dramatic breakup movies if you don't ma- villainize somebody in this situation. And that is, again, to Brad's point, if the people, if the people are reasonable, then it can work. But if they actually are a villain and a horrible person, then we've it'll seen never that too. Work. Yeah, but I know I, there's a I know a lot of people, a lot of my friends that have that are friends with their exes because it's like we had a great time for a time, and there's no reason to blow that up. But I do think that we are so affected by this Hollywood narratives that people try to play those out in your in in real life and in real time, and rather you're just more reasonable. And I think also if people were more open and honest with themselves and what's happening in their lives, that you wouldn't have to play out the drama and make it feel like it, everything was a dramatic situation. Some people love drama though, mm-hmm. right? I think the best thing, one of my friend's moms, and it was, I watched it happen in action. Someone said to her like, oh, your failed marriage. And she was like, failed marriage? She's like, we were married for 25 years. She's like, we were had a very successful marriage. Yeah. She's like, we have a family together. We're still best of friends. She's like, that's just a close chapter in my life, but we didn't fail at anything. We just moved past that and created a new chapter that was something different. The relationship just evolved. And I took that with me in my head forever because that's like anything, your relationship, your marriage, I wouldn't even call it a failure. It just ended. And now you guys have this beautiful new thing that is forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you also have to realize that uh, your 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 child is very clever <laughs> and very aware of the dynamic. Um, they're always watching. They're always listening. They hear everything, and uh, they also want the best for you. Like it's amazing how intuitive kids are about how you feel. So, if you don't end up having a relationship that that uh, can work. If there's other, you know, new husbands and new wives involved, if you, if you can't make that work, your, your kids are going to be really terribly affected by that. And that's when you end up with, uh, you know, those kids you see in TV that are doing, you know, bad things or they're yelling at their mom or they're disrespecting their father, or they're disrespecting themselves. And I think that's the risk because kids, uh, I, Harlow, even at two and a half, three, was far more aware of things than you have any idea about, right? Even at that young age. So you got to be careful. Your kids will be really negatively affected if you don't do it right and act and behave reasonably. It's It really is, you're doing it really, if you can't do it for the real reasons, the right reasons, you should do it for your kids. Such a good point. 
Such a good way to end, Coase. You heard it here. This was definitely one of our most sought-after conversations. Brad, thank you so much for being present with us today. There is definitely more where this came from. You can keep up with us at Coco & Co. That's C-O-W-E to follow the adventure. And Brad actually has a podcast himself called Live Talk with Lamb. So check it out on your streaming platform of choice. Big thank you to Brad. I really appreciate you being here and being such a kick-ass dad to Harlow and uh, ex-husband and friend and business advisor. He does it all. all of the things. Um, thank you for listening to another episode of Conversations with Coco and Friends. You know what to do. Please rate this podcast on Apple and follow us on Spotify. Every action counts. We love you. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.